0: This recording is brought to you by Whitworth University. To hear additional programs, please visit www.whitworth.edu podcast.
1: Well, it's now my pleasure to introduce our convocation speaker, Dr. Carol Simon, Whitworth's provost and executive vice president. As provost, Carol's responsibilities are chiefly to keep our academic programs in good order to support faculty and their important callings as teachers, scholars, and mentors, and to ensure students are well-equipped to take advantage of the many academic programs that are available here at Whitworth. And speaking of academic programs, Carol's responsibilities include ensuring that Whitworth's array of programs simultaneously exposes students to the scope and depth of a high-quality liberal arts education, while simultaneously ensuring that students are prepared for careers and lives post-graduation. In her dual role as executive vice president, Carol is the second highest ranking administrator on campus and takes on additional responsibilities to assist me in stewarding all of the university's activities and resources. Carol, as we know, is an accomplished philosophical scholar and teacher. She is called upon often to speak about faith learning integration, faculty development, and the role of the Christian liberal arts tradition. She has authored, co-authored, and edited five books, including Can Hope Endure? A Historical Case Study in Christian Higher Education and Mentoring for Mission, Nurturing New Faculty at Church-Related Colleges. Since coming to Whitworth in the summer of 2013, Carol and her husband, Steve, have immersed themselves into the Whitworth and Spokane communities hosting many events at their home and attending various campus activities. Having worked closely with Carol now for nearly three years, I'm impressed by her passionate advocacy for our academic programs, her love of our faculty and students, and by her growing reputation as a national leader in conversations important to the academy. She tirelessly supports excellence in all areas of her responsibility, and she brings a thoughtful, faithful voice to university discussions and decision-making. I'm proud that Carol is a part of our community and I'm grateful that she is my friend, indeed our friend. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Carol Simon.
0: Thank you, Beck, for that generous introduction. Our world is full of dangers Most days, if you pay attention to almost any media outlet, some major disaster is in the headlines. Mass murders, wildfires, earthquakes, wars, tsunamis, floods, famine, epidemics that threaten to become worldwide pandemics. A glance at the news reinforces the idea that the world is a mess. In fact, the news often conveys uh, a vivid impression that the world is a mess that's rapidly getting worse. To many people, Whitworth University has seemed to be a haven from all this danger and distress. Universities are meant to be places that prepare students for what people call the real world. Uh, But often, our self-talk in higher education leaves the impression that a university is inherently an unreal world. Some people think that this is even more true of Christian universities than of secular ones. Shortly after I came to Whitworth, I heard the expression, pine cone curtain. The expression was used in such sentences as, some Whitworth students never get beyond the pine cone curtain. And we need to create more opportunities for students to get out from behind the pine cone curtain. Yet last November 17th, the wind howled and the earth on campus shook with the crash of one ponderosa pine after another, felled by a storm of historic scale. From our blue light poles and recently installed digital clocks, we heard messages that began, this is not a drill, this is not a drill. If there used to be a pine cone curtain at Whitworth, its physical fabric was rent. On the morning of November 18th, those of us who were here walked amid devastation. What had hours before been a peaceful stretch of pine grove in Whitworth's inner loop was now a jumbled mess of giant trees uprooted, snapped, or leaning precariously on the trees that were still left standing. On that afternoon, at President Beck Taylor's instruction, campus pastor Forrest Baird, or Forrest Buckner, I'm glad Forrest is back, but we have (laughs) another Forrest. Forrest Buckner uh, held a service of thanksgiving to God for protecting us through the storm. Campus was a mess, uh, but no one was hurt and only a few buildings had been damaged. Though many Whitworth faculty, staff, and students spent several days feeling like refugees, we were deeply grateful for God's many provisions. And as we begin spring semester 2016, our campus cleanup has made remarkable progress. Prospective students seeing Whitworth's campus for the first time now have more open views, but are still likely to be impressed with our wooded environment. Emergency Preparedness. While the actions that we took to help us weather the storm and recover from it were not perfect, Whitworth University came through the storm as well as we did, in no small part, because we were prepared. Our physical plant staff, Sedexo employees, as well as many others, were amazing. We learned from our experience during the storm in order to be even better prepared for emergencies in the future. Our world is full of dangers. Some people are so focused on this fact that they spend the majority of their time and money preparing for disaster. By Googling on the internet, I found a company that will give me free shipping if I order a $20,000 personal survival kit from them. Free shipping and peace of mind for only $20,000. What a deal. Uh, This kit includes the Barnett Cobra Slingshot with a front stabilizer and Magnum power bands. The ad assures me you'll spend hours catapulting at the range when you get your hands on this. Of course, this $20,000 kit will only be the beginning. Because the perfect survival vehicle is the the top-of-the-line Humvee. That costs $200,000. And the fuel reserve and the spare parts for running the Humvee would be an additional investment. And maybe 10 years' worth of survival rations for me and my family are not enough. Maybe we should double that. There are blogs and catalogs that specialize in helping people think through what would prepare them for massive natural disaster or the failure of our infrastructure through cyber terrorism. There are plenty of people who will play on our fears. They will encourage us to spend the majority of our time and money preparing for disasters that may or may not come. Our world is full of dangers, real and imagined. Because of this, it's an and it's important that two of the virtues represented on Whitworth University's sesquicentennial pinecone are <laughs> that's, that's wisdom and courage. To live well in dangerous times, we need wisdom to know how much energy to put into preparing for emergencies. We also need courage not to let our fears lead us into foolishness, selfishness, or hostility. We cannot just ignore real risk. To do so would be irresponsible. But we cannot let our lives be warped by worry. To live well in a dangerous world, I would encourage you to skip the state of the art survival package and the Humvee. Instead, invest in liberal arts education, especially Christian liberal arts education. A liberal arts education enables people to be prepared for tackling unscripted problems. The liberal arts and sciences cultivate the virtues of creativity and curiosity. By honing your critical thinking skills and deepening your knowledge of science, social sciences, humanities, and the arts, you'll be equipped not just for a career, but for grappling with the world's most pressing problems. Whitworth strives to provide you students with the kind of education that will do more than help you find your first job, as important as that is. We hope that the knowledge that you acquire through Whitworth's education will help you heal some of the wounds that previous generations have inflicted on God's world. We hope that you will acquire skills to find cures for serious diseases address food scarcity, and work for interracial understanding and justice. We hope that you will cultivate the virtues of charity and humility that will allow you to live with compassion and openness in our increasingly interconnected global environment. And we hope that you will cultivate the capacity for celebration, reverence, and delight. Liberal arts education is a necessity in a dangerous world. But we know that from human history that human skills and intelligence will not be enough to protect us from danger. As C.S. Lewis said in a sermon preached at Oxford as England entered World War II. Human life has always been lived on the edge of a precipice. Human culture has always existed under the shadow. If people had postponed the search for knowledge and beauty until they were secure, the search would never have begun. Education in the liberal arts, especially if pursued in a Christian context, will allow us to cultivate the humility to know when we've reached the limits of human knowledge, ingenuity, and perseverance. The liberal arts can protect us from letting our lives shrink to an obsession with security. Human virtues are not enough to flourish in a dangerous world. Studying history can help us acquire the humility to acknowledge that. God has also taught us this in scripture. We need spiritual resources to thrive in a world that will always present us with problems that are beyond us. The passages from Hosea and Habakkuk that we heard read show us two sorts of spiritual resources— upon which we can depend. Both Hosea and Habakkuk rebuked the people of God for overdependence on human solutions to their fear and insecurity. Too often, Israel and Judah thought that they would be better off creating gods that they could control, rather than worshiping the true God that called them to faithfulness and trust in God's provision. In the final chap- chapter of Hosea, we see Israel repenting of its dependence on military alliances and technology. Um, the verses just before the passage that Arlene read for us say Assyria will not save us. We will not ride upon horses. We will say no more our God to the work of our hands. In response to Israel's repentance, God says that God will heal their disloyalty. More than that, God will be like a dew to Israel, reviving them and making them fruitful. Israel will blossom like the lily and have the beauty of the olive tree. They will have the deep roots and grandeur of the forest of Lebanon. Under God's sheltering shadow, they will flourish like a garden. Their faithfulness will not be something that they manufacture. Their faithfulness will come from God. It is a very deliberate feature of Whitworth's ceremonial pine cone that it has theological virtues as well as intellectual and moral virtues inscribed on its seed scales. Whitworth's education aims to nurture not just uh, integrity and perseverance and curiosity but theological virtues, faith, hope, and love. Faith in a God who will heal us from our disloyalty and call us to hope in God. God who in becoming our highest love will order all our other loves. This spring, as the bulbs in the Westminster Garden bloom, and as new trees are planted on Whitworth's campus, I invite you to return to this passage in Hosea and ask how you can become God's garden, God's tree. How you can be fruitful and a blessing and reflect the glory of God and the grace of Christ. The end of Hosea is a glorious collection of images for what is possible if we face problems that are beyond us with God as our shelter and fertile ground. But the words at the end of Habakkuk are even more remarkable and profound. Though the fig tree does not blossom and no fruit is on the vine, though the produce of the olive fails and the field yields no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold and there is no herd in the stalls, yet I will exalt in the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will exalt in the God of my salvation. I cannot read these words without thinking of our dear colleague, Adrian Teo, who died last Christmas Day and whose more memorial service will be tomorrow. I visited Adrian in the hospital weeks before his death. He was unable to speak and could only move one of his arms. Adrian used the limited amount of physical energy and mobility that he had to exalt in the God of his salvation. Again and again, Adrian gestured to the holy images that had been hung where he could see them in his hospital room. Again and again, Adrian gestured upward and indicated that he was okay. Okay. At some deep level, under all that suffering, Adrian was resting in the God that was his strength. Medical science had reached its limits, but Adrian's faith, hope, and love were with him to the end. And Adrian would be the first to say that the spiritual strength that he displayed was all a gift, all about God's grace, and not about anything Adrian could do apart from God. Christ was the source of Adrian's faithfulness. Emergency preparedness How can we become disaster-proof? At a human level, we can't. Yet we can and should be prudent and develop reasonable contingency plans. We can continue our quest to become liberally educated. We can cultivate the virtues of wisdom, courage, integrity, perseverance, curiosity, and creativity. We can practice charity and integrity. We can work for justice in the world. But the final verses of Habakkuk call us beyond all that. When our faith, hope, and love have become deeply rooted in God, not because God solves our problems or relieves our suffering, but because God's infinite love and glory are all that we need, then and only then will we be disaster-proof. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, we will be able to say, God makes my feet like the feet of a deer and makes me tread upon the heights. May God have mercy on us, heal us, and transform us more and more into the image of Christ so that we can be prepared for whatever life brings. Amen.